welcome to Career Sequel, the Return to Work podcast. If you're re-entering the workforce after a career break, you just found your one-stop shop. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Coles, industrial organizational psychologist, career strategist, and the founder of Career Sequel. Each week, I discuss strategies you can use to bridge your career gap and land flexible, meaningful work you'll love. My mission? To help you find a job that fits your life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Career Sequel Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Coles, and I'm so happy to have you here with me today. Today, we're going to step back and we're going to look at your career from a different angle. We're going to look at it in the context of relationships. Right now, I'm going to introduce you to my friend, Melissa Caveney. She is a certified life coach and I think of Melissa as a relationship guru. She helps me daily with my relationship needs, and I'm so glad that she'll be able to talk to you about this. Melissa has spent years working in the field of mental and emotional health, and her passion for demystifying the brain and body connection led her to start her own coaching practices where she works one-on-one with clients, helping them shed the stress of strained relationships. Welcome to the podcast, Melissa. Thank you. I feel like the lucky one. Thank you so much for having me. I listen all the time and now I get to listen as we talk. So it'll be fantastic. Yes. And I want everybody to know, I have been asking Melissa to come on the podcast since the day I started this podcast. Now I got her. So Melissa, I was wondering, one thing that both of us love to talk about is how the mind and the body work together. Talk to us about the brain-body connection and how it impacts our relationships. Yeah. So as you know, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. (laughs) I Uh, love it. Preach, Melissa, preach. (laughs) (laughs) So our brain's job is to efficiently manage the energy used by all of the systems in our body. And its goal is to not only help us survive, but to thrive, right? Mm -hmm. The way that we can feel that activity is just through the emotions that it's generating. So all of our emotions are constructed in our brain and we feel them in our body. And we're not used to hearing this, but um, I guess one of the first ways I ever heard it explained was that an emotion is a vibration in your body. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised to learn also that um, they're not universal. Emotions are felt differently for different people. And they're basically a product of how we were raised and the caregivers around us and you know how our brain made meaning out of the things that we were feeling about all of our surroundings and things that were going on around us in the world and the other people in our world. And so our relationships are a direct result of that because the relationship is essentially just the thoughts that you have about someone. So if your thoughts are generating your emotions and you have someone that you have a relationship with the quality of that relationship is going to be the direct result of the quality of your thoughts about that person. So what kind of emotions are we supposed to be feeling? Are we supposed to be feeling happy all the time? Is, is something wrong if we are not feeling happy all the, all the time? 
as we're paying attention to our emotions, what do we need to be worried about? Great question. So a normal human experience is going to involve both negative and positive emotions about 50-50, right? But often we feel like it's more of the negative than the positive because our brain is going to tend to want to focus on the negative. Mm -hmm. We have to be a little more intentional about noticing the positive because typically the stronger emotions are the negative ones. Can you help us late help us label some of these feelings? Like can you name name some of the positive side, the positive 50 versus the negative 50? Yeah. So the funny thing I think about emotions is that we've come up with these names, but the way they actually feel in our bodies is a lot the same. So you can feel excited and also terrified and it can feel the same in your body, oh, right? right? So you kind of yeah. have to take it into context. You can also name it anything you want to. There was a funny story and one of the books by Lisa Feldman Barrett. I think it was it was either seven and a half lessons about the brain or how emotions are made, probably how emotions are made. She made up an emotion called chiplessness. And it's like <laughs> how you feel when you've eaten the last chip. Oh, so, I don't know how to define that. <laughs> so many things swirling in your head when you eat the right. last chip. Like serious, some type of disappointment mixed with anticipation of how to get another bag. <laughs> right. But, but all that to say is there's some basic, you know, happy, sad, but it's almost like a pleasure, displeasure. We can come up with something that's generic, but once it starts getting specific, it's really unique to the individual. Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart does a good job of trying to go through and identify some of the nuances with emotions, like the difference between envy and jealousy and mm -hmm. things like that. And so it, it can get very, uh, like I said, nuanced. But as you start to develop an emotional awareness, you can just start with basics. And do I feel good or do I feel bad? As long as you're in the realm of about half good, half bad in your life, you're having a normal experience. But once you drift into the feeling like there's more of a 70% negative or 80% negative and, you know, 20 to 30% positive, then that's the place where you want to start doing a little more work to identify exactly what's going on. So if we take it into the work context, how do we consider our emotions and decide if we're in the right career, if we need to make a change? How do your emotions and your body help with making that decision? Probably the first level to sort of analyze all of that is what I was just talking about is, you know, am I having about a 50-50 experience? Am I having some positive emotions about work and some negative emotions about work, but I don't feel a strong, overwhelming sense of negative? Then you're probably about right. And you're going to experience that in any workplace. Mm -hmm. But once you start feeling a little more on the negative side, then it's time to start looking at, okay, how do I feel on a regular basis? There's a couple of ways that you can start to have some self-awareness about everything that's going on in the workplace. Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> so the first is to think about the top three emotions that you're feeling in different times of the day, maybe before mm -hmm. you go to work, while you're at work, and then once you've left work. And 
as you do that, and that'll start to develop that emotional awareness around work in general. If you're finding that you're naming a lot of either dread, overwhelm, anxious or anxiety, frustration, even anger, you know, all of those are obviously going to indicate that something's going on that takes some, some looking into. I love that idea of trying to name the emotions that you're feeling at different times of, of the day, especially in the context of work, when you're getting up in the morning, thinking about going to work, when you're going to work, when you're at the workplace, do you recommend tracking that, writing it down and keeping track of it? Yeah, I think that's a fantastic way. I do think that tracking it would be fantastic, especially if you're considering making a change. Sometimes it helps to see data, to see it written down. And also, as you said, in terms of the 50-50, our work is going to have a flow. There are going to be times where it tips towards the negative. There are deadlines and it's a stressful time, but our work will probably have an ebb and flow. But I'm guessing that if you wrote these things down, if you track them over an extended period of time, it might be a powerful exercise just to see every day your top three emotions at, let's say, two o'clock in the afternoon of your workday. What are your top three emotions? And being able to look at that and see what that means. Yeah, absolutely. Then looking back like over a month, and then you can kind of see where the trends are and and see how many days that really is one or the other, you know, either a positive overall day or a 50-50 or, or even the negative, because our brain is going to tend to focus on the negative. So you may get to the end of the month and think, oh, that was an awful month. But then you look back at the data and you're like, well, actually it was about 50-50. <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay. So say you are tracking your emotions and you're noticing that maybe some of these emotions are tied to particular relationships that you have at work. Because at work, you know, you have so many different relationships. You have the relationships with your manager, or maybe you're managing someone else, or you have your team members, or just the people who are in the office who don't work with you doing the same job, but you see them every single day. What if you are noticing that these negative emotions are connected to one of these relationships? What do you do? So this comes back to the whole idea of taking responsibility for your thoughts and your emotions. So if you're noticing that it's related to a particular person, to some of these negative emotions, where our first inclination is to think, well, this person is causing me to feel this way. Right. Blame and, it on that person. <laughs> right. So the first thing that we need to do is just to, to own it, to just realize that our thoughts about this person is what's the cause of whatever this negative emotion is. And once we do that, then it kind of wiggles our brain loose a little bit about how can I then approach this to affect this relationship in a good way or in a different way to, to see if that makes a difference. So I think the first, first thing is just to own that that emotion is coming still from our thoughts. I think that is such a great point. And I can hear people listening to this podcast right now saying, no, they should meet my manager. It is my manager's fault or this person in my office. They are the worst coworker. They are the worst manager. 
But I I think it's interesting if you stop and actually look at who is connected to that person, you can almost always find someone who can get along with that person. So what does that mean? It's evidence that it's your thoughts about this person that are creating these emotions. Exactly. But once once you take ownership of it, the beauty of it is then you can then decide, do I want to do something about it? Do I want to try to create a connection or do I want to figure out why I'm having these thoughts? You know, because like you said, not everybody that interacts with this person is having the same thoughts that I'm having. So now that I know this, what do I want to do about it? So what are some of the options? What to do in this situation? How you can handle it? Well, I think one for sure is that you can just decide maybe I'm wrong and that might allow you to think a little bit differently. You know, what if I'm wrong? Mm -hmm. And if you still feel like, nope, I still feel this way. I'm still thinking these thoughts. (laughs) The next option might be to say, you know, how can I change this connection with this person? Because connection is all about understanding someone. I like Brene Brown's definition. If you don't mind, I will just read her definition. In Atlas of the Heart, she says, connection is the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment, and when they can derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. So if you come at it from a perspective like, how can I connect with this person? Because that's how I want to show up as a coworker. Mm -hmm. Then you start to your brain, when you ask it that question, it's going to find solutions for you. It's going to say, well, maybe we can ask this person about what's going on in their life on a deeper level than maybe how we know them. You know, how do they spend their weekends or what else do they do outside of work so that we can connect on a deeper, deeper level? So maybe just, just asking those questions might prompt you to want to connect that way. More and more jobs are online now and they're hybrid. So what kind of challenges are going to arise in those work situations in terms of our relationships? How can we keep the relations, our work relationships running smoothly when we only see people over Zoom or we don't see people in person ever? Definitely a challenge these days without being in person, face to face, because our brains are wired to the people around us and we intuitively can pick up on little things in body language or just, you know, how someone walks across the office that we we don't get to have that same interaction. And there's there's no water cooler discussions, you know, even if you're just overhearing them, you know, there's so much interaction that's lost that's not, you know, specifically focused on what everyone's doing in that moment for work. So I would say it takes a little more intention if you want to add that connection to either pay more attention over Zoom to body language, you know, eye contact and eye movement, you know, what else is going on with their their body. But if you can't, then maybe just taking a one-on-one lunch break over Zoom to get a feel for how somebody's doing. If you're if you're noticing something, you know, if you're noticing some kind of tension but you can't quite pinpoint, it's going to take a little more intention to to draw out what's going on. Because before you could walk by 
five people's desks and just say hi or say hi for 30 seconds. So it seems like now you're going to need to be more intentional in developing and cultivating relationships. What do you do in a hybrid or online situation when there's conflict? I would say the first step is to take a look at your own sort of thoughts about whatever's going on. Take some of the emotion out of it. You know, see if you've got some some charge there that's adding a little fuel to the fire, so to speak. You know, see if you can parse out some of the emotions that you have about whatever's going on first. And then if you still need to do something to resolve it, just taking ownership of whatever's going on with you. And then there are lots of strategies for having a difficult conversation with anybody, you know, not just a coworker. And I would say one of the, the things to do in that is to think there's no right or wrong. Just doing those two things, taking some of the emotions, looking at them and seeing if you're something else inside of you is adding to it. And then if you were to just take out any right or wrong, because those tend to get more emotion brought into whatever's going on. And that would be, I guess, a way to stop and just pause before moving forward with trying to find a solution. Right. So distill it down to the facts first. So just try to take the emotion out of it. What exactly happened? How do you recommend approaching someone to discuss a conflict or or trying to resolve a conflict, I should say? So when we give up the need to be right or wrong, then that frees us up to then go to the person and ask them why they're feeling the way that they are and really listening. And now that we know where our emotions are coming from being our thoughts, we can give them that same courtesy. So when they're expressing how they're feeling, we know it's coming from their thoughts and we don't have to take it personally. So all of that sort of diffuses things and we can together then look at the facts and hopefully come to a solution together. So as we've been talking it's obvious our careers, they don't happen in a vacuum. Are there any personal relationship cues that suggest that maybe your job doesn't fit your life? The cool thing about having more emotional awareness around your workplace is if you are experiencing something that feels a lot more negative, then it might be the time to start to look at your values. You know, is this job? Is it something that's in conflict with my values? And maybe that's where some of these negative emotions are coming from. If the relationships are too contentious and you can't get past some of the negative, then it might be a question of values. And and it might be that the people that you're working with have a different set of values So there are some other things that it's, again, these emotions are just signaling, hey, you know, we might need to dig a little deeper here to figure out what's going on. So there's no across the board answer. It's just getting that awareness, paying attention to our body, then connecting it to what's going on in our mind. Just that that process is what's going to start the ball rolling to know, do I need to make a change or is this maybe in line and I just need to do a little work yeah, to that, get to a better place. Yeah. 
That is such a good point that you make. I love that you brought up core values because that's something I talk to my clients about. We do a whole core values exercise because so many times they feel bad in their jobs. The jobs feel terrible. These emotions are coming up. And if your core values are being violated by the core values of your organization or your job or your coworkers, that can make it so that job doesn't work. And so we talk about examining core values at different levels too, like the industry level, the organizational level, the job level. And then like you were saying, the coworker level. What kind of core values do you need to share with your coworkers in order for your career and to feel good? Yeah. And I would say too, being in conflict with your own values, that is going to mainly affect the relationship with yourself as it relates to your Mm. job. Oh, Melissa, thank you so much. It's been so great to have you on to talk about the relationships within the workplace. If you could offer one piece of advice to people who are going to work and trying to nurture their relationship at work, what would it be? Just to remember that the quality of our life is directly related to the quality of our relationships. All it takes is just intention to have the best quality relationships and the best quality life. I love that. Thank you. And Melissa, how can people reach out to you? How can they find you? And I know that you just launched a new mental fitness series on Instagram where you're inspiring your followers to use their brains as a guide to creating a more fulfilling life. Yes. Yeah. Instagram is the best way to find me right now. And I am at Melissa underscore Caveney. Spell Caveney for us. That is C-A-V-E-Cave-N-E-Y. Well, Melissa, thank you again for coming on the podcast. And until we see each other again next time, take good care. Know that we're cheering you on. Hey, if you're going back to work after a career break, I have a gift to help you get started. It's my free guide, Four Simple Steps You Can Take Today to Re-Enter the Workplace. I love it because it helps you get the ball rolling in a simple, easy, manageable way. Just go to my website, careersequel.com, and click on the red box that says, Get the Four Simple Steps Now. That's careersequel.com. Get the four simple steps now. See you there.